0: Is How's the Bite? I'm Ken Root along with Bob Urban under the big walleye on the south end of Guttenberg at Murray's Outdoor Store. Bob, this is a strange year. It's been an unusually warm winter from the beginning and at the beginning of the new year the talk was that even the Great Lakes aren't getting that much ice and we're eight hours south of much of that area. So uh, you're not seeing any ice really of consequence yet. When do you think we're going to get enough for people to safely get out and fish?
1: Uh, we talked about 2023, and we'll always remember 2023 about the year of extremes. Mm-hmm. Uh, highest water, third highest that we've had on the, uh, on the Mississippi to really, really low water for the fall. And then now just uh, lack of rainfall all summer, and then now... The warmest December, I believe, we've had are are up there in the top three as well. So it's just not us that is having troubles with ice, Ken. It's actually the whole Midwest. So uh, very mild temperatures at night, and uh, it looks like things are going to change finally uh, next week.
0: Bob, where are we right now, and uh, what are you going to show us? Ken, we're looking at Bussy Lake
1: right out here. It capped last night. Everything's capped up. There was open water. Uh, so the last two nights it capped up and we're gonna be making ice from here on out it looks like. We're gonna have a lot of guys driving over checking things out but it's just not safe. I'm gonna give one one whack with the spud bar. We're sitting probably at a half inch of ice right now Ken. So between, between these uh, these cold nights we should have a lot more ice and there's enough ice, go for it. Should we go out? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet, maybe a week. You'll have guys just checking things out. There'll be a lot of people up checking the ice out, stopping into the store. So we just don't have a lot of ice yet. Half of an inch. And we should get to the point here uh once this snowstorm and this significant winter weather event happens uh, Sunday, Monday. But you can see it's capped. This is where we'll fish. There's a parallel dredge here from 1994, I think, 95, where uh, the core dredged out, and that's a parallel dredge on this island, and that's where a lot of people will be fishing.
0: That's where we'll start fishing. So, Is this one of the most dependable areas to have good ice early?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, Ken, and if you, sh- if you shine out there, you can kind of see it's a little lower this year. You can see the kind of the rice and the cattails. Um, but you can see where Winogers parks their boat docks over there. We can't walk all the way across there. we got to access it from the road here if you pan over to the road. It's called Island Road. Yeah. And uh, that's where you'll park. You can park out there. There's springs in the middle of that, so we don't want to ever go um, park on the other side and walk across. So... Yeah. You'll access it from Island Road on the north side, and, and when, when it becomes time, we'll let you know on Facebook. And next Friday, you and I will be actually talking ice with maybe people out on the ice. Should have three or four inches, hopefully, by then, depending on what that, that snow does. So,
0: Bob, one other question for you. Uh, I understand you did a Facebook Live at noon on New Year's Day. Now, did you have any competition at all during that time period for people watching TV or being gone?
1: Uh, I believe the competition was the Tennessee Volunteers.
0: Tennessee Volunteers. They played football at that time?
1: Yeah, I think they were playing. Um, I'm trying to remember who they played that day. I don't even think they played. I think they. I think they just showed up and played themselves at a bowl game.
0: Oh, okay. So you had a lot of people then listening and watching your podcast.
1: Yeah, we had 3,500 views, which was great for our first time. And I believe Tennessee had 35 points and whoever they were playing had zero.
0: All right. Thank you, Bob. Welcome. Where are we right now as we finish out deer season and what lies ahead in that area? So January 10th is our, our big uh, season
1: where we need 2024 licensing. So yeah. most of the seasons will come to an end on January 10th, Muzzle loader and then the deer hides that we have out at the store, those will be, yeah. I think they'll be coming picking up those boxes uh, shortly after uh, the 10th. So if anybody wants to keep bringing deer hides in, trade for gloves, trade for socks, we still offer that program. Um, And then this transition is when we forget to purchase our licenses, just from experience and then some friends that have done the same thing. Just make sure you do have your 2024 license when you go out and ice fish for the first time. So we've been seeing a lot of that uh, through the holidays, a lot of licensing and purchases. There are a few other seasons that will run a little bit longer, but you will still need your, your 2024 licensing after the 10th.
0: Bob, our featured interview this week is a most interesting guy. First of all, Kirk Stout is a good fisherman. He loves to fish, and he's done a lot of it. You found him. He even calls you a friend. Did you hear him say that? He actually is a friend of yours? How many? Like, that's three, isn't it? I think you, yeah, I think I had a couple. Um, Kirk will be my third. Kirk is an interesting guy, isn't he? He's uh, got a business that is uh, all about wildlife but in a different vein than we would think. He actually comes out and helps you get rid of problematic wildlife.
1: Yeah, so he's an outdoors guy, and hes I think he has some background in there from college. Uh-huh.
0: Kirk has a uh, ability to work with the wildlife authorities. I mean, he's licensed, and you're going to hear some of the things that he can do, including if he's politically capable, and the town is, of actually stabilizing or reducing their goose population that's a that's a problem, I think in many places, yeah, it's a problem and it's a touchy
1: subject in many yeah. places uh it's 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 tough. it's like who came first, you know mm-hmm. us or the geese and
0: but and the geese keep expanding in that area and they don't fly south they just stay there.
1: no, they're very very good it's as as surviving I guess in the area and I ran into it in in the park system and and how do you how do you keep that line to where? Let's say a beach is, is safe and, yeah. and and doesn't have bacteria and, and feces yeah. on it and stuff. And, and the geese are the geese are here um, other than the hunters you know that try to keep them at bay, but uh, there's not a lot of guys that do that anymore as well. And they do stay here. they're not They're Canada geese, but they, they could be called Iowa geese because of the corn as well. Ken.
0: Maybe we should just get a group like Benny and others and have them drive them to Texas every year. You know, that would be handy. Just get a van load and take them down there. Something. They do have a
1: goose roundup. I know at several of the parks when they lose their primary feathers. And, and maybe that's when Kurt kind of helps out and gets gets some of them gone too. But I'm interested to hear what he has to say. And Bob, well,
0: I have a man on the line who is fascinating to me of what he likes to do and how he makes his living. He's Kirk Stout. He's got a company called Wildlife Specialties, which is uh, not real revealing of what he does, but in a moment we'll tell you about what he does that will impact a homeowner, a person who's got a nuisance um, species around them of what you can do that fits in with the regulations of the state of iowa uh
2: kirk first of all welcome and uh are you a friend of bob urban's well i've met bob quite a few times and just over the last uh probably two months i've stopped in enough times so we should probably be considered friends
0: well that's good he's only got a couple
2: yeah um, yeah bob, he hasn't brought the bridge I, with me yet that's good well give him time i wanted to ask you when you got the uh, interested. I'm, I'm saying you're quite
0: an ice fisherman. When did you get interested in that?
2: Honestly, since I've been just a young uh, young boy. Um, my dad was big into the outdoors and took me when I was as young as I can remember.
0: What hooked you? I mean, you know, after a while, you got to make the decision on your own. What hooked you on fishing?
2: Honestly, I think it's just a way to just detox, get away from all the busyness of life, and it's just fun to focus on different species and different lakes, bodies of water. Uh, to locate the fish and just find out how to finesse and get them up on the ice. Did you study to uh, go into that area? I mean, we had some aquatic classes when I went to college. I have a bachelor's degree in conservation management. I didn't specialize in that, but it was definitely some of the classes I got better grades on. And today, uh, this is kind of a pre-announcement here, but I understand you are
0: developing your own line of ice fishing rods. Is that right?
2: That's right. It's through Wildlife Specialties. It's going to be WSI custom rods. Um, we're going to primarily focus on ice fishing rods, and we will have some open water rods in the Cedar Rapids area.
0: What do you think you could improve on? Say somebody's got a mid-priced rod right now. Uh, what can you improve on, other than price maybe, that
2: they'd like to have? You know, like price is kind of like it's what you pay for, what you get. Um, We can kind of tailor to, you know, different ways, different things. I have a lot of friends up north, and really the the trend is longer rods up north. So the hard part for me for being in eastern Iowa, we're looking at guys that are stuck with the 24-inch rods. Nothing wrong with them. I have myself. It's just that transition of getting guys used to a little bit different styles and tactics for fishing. Um, than what they're used to. So, we're kind of covering the, the micro rods, a little bit shorter to the, the 24 to 28 inch rods, all the way up to the longer noodle rods. Um, not really looking to compete with price as much, but it, it all depends on what they're wanting and how good of a rod. I mean, some of these rods have really, really good, really good guides. You know, they're not going to break, um, REC coil rods, uh, springs. Uh, guides and really good titanium springs are really going to get you what you want. If you want a nice, hardy rod, you can throw in the bucket and not break.
0: Kirk, do you anticipate uh, testing and perhaps introducing that in 2024, 2025?
2: What are you looking at? Yeah, we're already getting base stores interested in our rods for 2024. I just want to take our time and really just kind of pinpoint what rods we want to focus on instead of coming out with just a ton of different rods and really kind of confusing the, the customer of what rods buy. I want to simplify it and just have a, a more narrow range of what we want to sell and kind of what purpose they're for.
0: I wanted to talk about another area with you because I think it's absolutely fascinating what you do for a living. Wildlife specialties mm-hmm. is removal of species. Let me ask you the way this way. What does what do you do? You've got another area that I think is most interesting, and this is what else we can do here because it's an aside but yet it's kind of fits with everything else. Your wildlife specialties business, what do you do?
2: Um, In short terms, we offer a full line of humane wildlife control. um, Covers all wild animals, birds, bats, reptiles. Uh, We specialize in bat removal, goose control, beaver and otter control, pond and lake fish kill cleanups, and pond and lake erosion control, rocking, inlet and outlet cleaning. Uh, The bat removal and goose control, we do travel quite a bit farther and our general calls will kind of cover that two-hour, roughly 125-mile range from Cedar Rapids. Um, as long as the client would, you know, that needs us for, say, bat removal is willing to be patient, we can get to them. We're just trying to stack jobs up in that area so when we come up, we're more effective and efficient with our time.
0: I'm kind of pro-bat in their environment because of the
2: mosquitoes they eat and their
0: balance to the Absolutely. ecosystem. But at the same time, if you get bats in your attic, and we live around Guttenberg and up on the river, and bats can get in dang near anywhere. What do you do to get them out and still be able to maintain the ecosystem?
2: Yeah, so we're we're completely humane. Um, you're basically dealing with a, an animal that's the size of a mouse that can get into a tiny opening but can fly to get to that area. Um, we're completely humane. We've placed uh, bat excluders in the areas where they're getting in, the entry points, we call them. The bats can freely get out to go feed. When they come back, they just can't get back into the structure. We return several weeks later to seal the house up, have a construction background. We make sure the house looks the way it needs to, nice, clean repairs with a good warranty.
0: Is it pretty dangerous to be up
2: there in an attic
0: with a bat guano?
2: I mean, most people that I know aren't in those areas, and they're not going to be too often. We don't push it with our bat standards. We're nationally certified. Um if it's something the, the owner of the house really feels okay, we're having odor issues, I want that cleaned out, we can definitely move forward, give them an estimate for doing the, the bat removal, the attic clean out, uh disinfecting everything and putting new insulation back in. I would highly recommend not getting in there. Um if they do, definitely wear a mask, a good quality mask, and you know, any kind of protection is better than nothing.
0: Yeah. One thing I notice is how you can tell you've got some bats. You'll find these little bitty pellets, these little black pellets laying around in yep. places they shouldn't be. That, to me, is being, seems to be a
2: tip-off. Yeah, that, that's definitely a tip-off. Um, also, too, their, their fur is a little bit kind of a waxy substance on the fur. And generally, on any kind of house that has white trim, you'll see the rub marks. Where it's a little dirty rub mark where they're coming in and out the entries. A lot of times, it's in the eaves, the soffit fascia area and uh, a lot of houses have the white, so you can definitely look for the droppings on the siding. They kind of defecate when they come in and out, and that's one of the ways they find their entries uh, through the smell.
0: What about raccoons? I have seen some places raccoons have been in an attic of a abandoned house, and they destroy it.
2: Yeah, they can get pretty aggressive, and they're pretty, um, they're pretty strong compared to a bat. They're a little bit more uh, eager to get into places, and Honestly, generally in the spring when we have uh, raccoons getting in addicts, it's generally a female trying to get away from the male to find a safe place to have her young. We're pretty humane on that. We actually have biological deterrents that can kind of tell them that, hey, there might be a male area in the area, and uh, the female will take the young and relocate them. If that doesn't work, we can definitely trap them and then pick up the young. Uh Generally trying to be humane, we usually find a wildlife rehabilitator that'll take the female and the young. And let the young get you know grown up a little bit before they release them up to the wild, Kirk Scout is my guest. He has wildlife
0: specialties, and we're talking about the main ways to uh reduce um a troublesome population. All right, you mentioned geese, I think Canada geese are one of the most beautiful animals I've ever seen as long as they're about a hundred yards away. but if they get into your your yard if you're a person that loves a green yard they'll eat your grass down they crap every other step um, right. is there some humane means of control on
2: those yeah i mean it took us two years with the state but we are federally and state um licensed to handle geese Uh for the population control so a lot of hoas and condominium associations use us for the oiling so in the springtime when when they mate up they start nesting the female starts laying eggs uh, we have like, strict guidelines we have to follow through the state. And we're able to oil those eggs so the eggs stop growing or the, basically the embryo dies out. But the female doesn't know that. She eventually falls out of cycle, stops laying, and within a couple of weeks we can pull that nest and eggs. And that stops reproduction for that year. So it's something we'll have to do year after year because Canadian geese in Iowa live 18 to 24 years. So it's a slow process, but it's one of the best methods of actually controlling the geese. Um, it takes about three years for them to be sexually mature, but the female is always going to return back where she was raised, where she learned to fly, and that's where she's going to nest. So you got to kind of calculate that. I tried to kind of project numbers for our clients, and we always have an egg oiling um, uh, average. Uh, typically, the more geese you have, the more stressed out they are, and possibly the smaller egg count per nest. But we're, we're generally always around five to seven Uh, eggs per nest some will have up to 12 or 13 eggs and honestly in these areas these are areas that you don't naturally have predators so these geese are going to be raised they're going to survive and they're going to grow up i can't give you the exact estimate of how many males females there are in those eggs but every one of those females that learns to fly in that spot is going to come back and nest there when she's uh, able to well i love an analytical guy who loves the
0: outdoors and uh I hope that the ice comes soon so that you can get some fishing in well, and I hope so. that uh, things can go well. Tell me, I understand you're in Marion, Iowa is your base. What yep. is a way or ways people can contact you?
2: Yeah, uh phone. My cell phone is 319-389-3183. That's a, a cell phone I keep on 24 hours. I encourage people to text me because we get so many calls. Um, my voicemail will actually get full. Um, so texting is a great way. If you can't, you can find us at www.wildlifespecialtiesinc.com. So it's www.wildlifespecialtiesinc.com. Through that website, you can find our link to email us. We're also on Facebook. Like us, share us, follow us. And uh, we usually have some pretty good posts throughout the season. Um, you know, kind of like what Bob does with the bites of the fish. We start, you know, let, you know in the springtime where we're getting into goose control and the bass are getting uh, more active when the wood checks are coming out and whatnot. Okay. Now give me your phone number one more time. 319-389-3183.
0: Kirk Stout Wildlife Specialties. Fantastic. We'll look forward to your rods when you're ready to release them, and uh, Bob and I will volunteer to be field testers for you and uh, also to uh, uh, let people know how to get in touch with you if they've got a, a wildlife problem that's gotten in their house.
2: That sounds good. We're fully licensed, fully insured, and we just want to bring peace back to you and your property. Thank you very much for talking with me. Thank you, Ken.
0: It's a lucrative business. He's got enough money left over to come into Murray Outdoors on the south end of Guttenberg and spend some of it.
1: He does. They've been fishing a lot, him and his dad and his,
0: his buddies have been up a lot doing
1: this uh, cold water walleye uh, bite, and they've been doing pretty good.
0: Bob, let me have you go over to your ice fishing equipment for me and let's go through some of the things you have that people may need or want that could be really beneficial to them either in catching fish or in keeping themselves in good shape. All right, Bob, in front of us is one of the more comfortable ice fishing um, seats, tents, and tubs. Tell me about it.
1: This was the new Eskimo wide one. Um, that they come out with. This is the new version last year uh, that they came out with. It's an XR version. It's just mm-hmm. extra room, Ken. So we're gonna. I'm going to actually open it up for you.
0: Okay. Um, Looks here. like it's the extra butt version because it's wide enough that mine Please. could get on it. Okay, here it comes you're, up.
1: You're going to have a seat actually in it. Okay. I'm going to spread this front bar.
0: Good. And then you have a seat in there. Oh, yeah. I oh, got it. So I'm sitting down here. All right. We're flipping it up okay. for you. Now, in front of me... Bob is now closing the tent. I can stay warm. The bo- There is no bottom in the tent, so you can have your um, ice fishing hole right here. So you, in the tub behind me, I take it, is where you would put your auger, right? Your
1: storage, yep. Your storage is there. Um, and then you can swivel, right? You can swivel fish both sides. There's extra room out front is why it's called an X-DAR. Mm-hmm. And you can see this quilted patching. Yeah. This is actually thermal, so there's some insulation there. So if you put a heater in, you wouldn't even need a heater on a day like today, Ken. Most guys won't even use their tent. But you've got the seat
0: and you've got the protection.
1: Correct, and next week you're going to need it when it's a high of 15 and a low of 6 or whatever they have Mm. coming with that polar vortex. So most of the tents that we sell are one-mans now here on the upper Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. We do have some two-mans. I call the two-mans one-and-a-half-man, like my son and I could fit, Mm-hmm. You and I sitting together in a tent, Ken, and a two-man.
0: We'd be warm, would we?
1: We're going to be warm. We're going to be touching each other with all the stuff we have on and all the accessories. So uh, a two-man gets heavy. Yeah. Uh, a one-man's pretty light. Uh, you can you can pack it up, put it in your truck, put it in your car. Um, you're sitting in one of the better seats. Eskimo makes a better seat, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And then we have a Frabel on the other side. We have a Clam on the other side. Um, and we have some otter. Otter tents are probably one of the most common uh, that people like. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little bit more expensive, their quality, but what they don't have on the other ones is they're kind of heavy. So yeah. a lot of people pull them on quads, different stuff like that as you go further north. Quad life right now is not really going to happen uh, for us here in the Midwest. We're going to be pulling, we're going to be thinking light. We're always thinking light because we'll go around the store. We have 18,000 gadgets we can sell you, and we put them in the tent, and it all adds up. It's all weight.
0: Well, let's rate these, if we can, and put this back up so I can get out of here. If you're going to let me out.
1: Nope. Hey, Bob in. has trapped
0: me in here. Help. If you can hear the sound of my voice, please come and help me as soon as possible. To get... Oh, you there gotta it is. got to stay warm. This there. is in
1: Florida. Florida. You know, it's
0: amazing how much warmer it got in there when you flipped that up with me in it you know just in your inside so it's in-
1: all the hot air can that you're
0: <laughs> bob the things that you need above the things that you want but you can get both um i would think you need a good ice auger you got to drill a hole in the ice dynamite doesn't work we tried that in oklahoma it just doesn't punch a a good hole it's hard to tell how yeah. big the hole will be and how far away you should get before you let it off
1: yeah, so when you come into the store and maybe, I'd say you could probably get into it for a couple hundred dollars. Uh, stuff that you need, which would be a couple ice poles, you know, your bait, your auger, some safety picks. Just the stuff that you need to have to get out there. If you already have your coveralls, your mm-hmm. your cold weather gear, your gloves. And Mama's going to keep you warm. Yeah, she, she got you all that stuff for Christmas probably.
0: So tell me about uh, the levels of ice augers you have.
1: So the ice augers that we have, uh, Strike Master makes the laser augers. I don't really sell anybody the blue Mora's anymore. It's just because of the blades. After You'll be going through blades every couple years or every year. Uh, the lasers are, are um, cut at a 45 degree, and they do a really good job of cutting that ice. Um, but it's kind of heavy. You can put them on a drill. I still use that regular laser. Oh. They're about $100. And then you jump up to the light flights, which is the plastic blades and then they have a champer bit or a and a pilot hole with the champer bit and that stuff just cuts with a drill really easy you just put it on a drill it needs to be a high torque drill though similar to like a milwaukee fuel or a dewalt uh where you have a four amp battery uh to, to be able to use those drills on top of that they also make now strike master does and a few other companies you can remember the old propane and the old gas that's kind of a thing of the past because we're thinking light right we have all this other yep. stuff so they make a light flight StrikeMaster master does with a battery on it and some other companies do as well but we cut we carry the battery power head, Um mm-hmm. that you it's very similar to what you'd use to for a post hole digger you know, on a gas pulse hole yeah, digger, yeah. Um, but it's it's meant for uh, ice, and those are about three fifty, three four hundred dollars. But but again, you're talking that's a want, that's not a need, and you can go from starting at two hundred, and and you, you can get up to five thousand pretty quick, Ken.
0: What about a dipper to get the little remnants out?
1: Yeah, we have all kinds of little skimmers, uh, dippers. You can also use the auger. Um, you can on your drill, you can just crank that but we do have skimmers they're about five dollars little dippers um definitely need that just a five dollar skimmer dipper that you need to clean the hole out because you don't you want that ice out of there when you're jigging so it doesn't get affected um and you're going to be cleaning holes quite a bit uh when once we hit that cold water
0: all right one more thing to ask you and that is your bait you don't want your minnows to freeze so you actually need to keep them warm don't you
1: yeah, you probably keep your minnows in the tent with you. Um, when but you're you got to have bucket a bucket to put them in. Bucket or a, an insulated cooler. We yeah. use a lot of the angles and a lot of the, the egos and the frable insulated coolers, bait coolers. Even if you have a bucket, now we're using the insulation on the other side. Remember in the summer I told you we got to use the insulated buckets for, to keep it, the water cold. Now we're using it to keep it warm. So yes. insulation is good um, when we're using that for the minnows. And that the minnows are survive with ice on top but it's just to be able to with your hand and everything you're dipping in and
0: do you have any ice jigs left I mean you had a, a few that you put on the wall so how does how's that going
1: the seventeen thousand is all we got up there we still need to do 3,000 but we got kind of lazy
0: it's, it's almost artwork
1: it is. Yeah, you come in and you can kind of see the shadows. And if you come
0: fourth over grade artwork, I'd call it. Maybe over. some of it fifth grade. Come over here. We took pictures but,
1: for the somebody's going to use yeah. it for the 4-H project at the fair 4-H
0: project with the artistic <laughs> ability. Who else does
1: this kind of stuff that puts that many ice jigs in foam board other than us?
0: Well, you know, I thought you could perhaps uh, make it to where that you start with a background design and start laying them in by colors. Uh, you need to see this, folks. Uh, it is, uh, it's impressive, uh, to say the least, uh, and uh, I don't really know why you did it, but you did.
1: Yeah, we had a lot of excess uh, new old stock jigs, and I didn't know what else to do, and we had some time with customers not coming in, you know, with the ice and, and some stuff around Thanksgiving, and yeah. we did it for a Thanks Jigging Day sale, and and uh, 12 jigs for $5 is 1970s pricing, Ken. And we talk about, uh, can you do you know of anything else you can buy right now from 1970s pricing?
0: No, I don't. And I was thinking the other one, that idle hands are the devil's workshop. And there was no devil going on during the time you were putting these up. Ah, uh, there was. Some fighting. Benny and my son Nolan got oh. into
1: it a little bit. But they were just who has more, basically. Which, ah. is, which is good. That just makes them work harder. We have tents. We have hubs. Uh, you were you were in a flip-over tent. We do have right. hubs that are just basically a pop-up tent that are thermal. We have a bunch of those. We have electronics. So we're pretty well geared up, ready for everybody to come in, but so is any bait and tackle store. We've been waiting for customers here for uh, probably a month where we're usually ice fishing. So super excited. Everybody's going to get slammed at once. What's going to happen is the big box stores will be out of stuff, just so everybody knows. They're selling it out really, really cheap. And then the only one that's going to have some stuff left is all the small bait and tackle shops. We'll have it all ready for you. Um, The bait will be all at once. There's going to be a waxworm shortage if everybody gets ice all at once. That's just common. And everybody in the Midwest will have ice all at once, and everybody will be ice fishing.
0: Well, Bob, that wraps it up for this week. We wait for the ice. Uh, We hope for a good year in 2024. And uh, you've got everything set up here. Your store is in great shape, and uh, have you picked up any new employees, and what are your hours? Yeah, we've got uh, just another guy that's helping up, Joel, uh, has been helping
1: us here and there. Otherwise, it's just been most of us, Kara and Ava and Larry and, and Joel. Dan's still having, he's out with uh, some medical stuff, and he's getting that all taken care of. So our hours are Monday through Saturday six to five and then sunday we're six to three and we're here 365 days a year so we're we're here every day we're we're doing something
0: nobody more dedicated to your outdoor needs than murray outdoors on the south end of guttenberg under the big walleye we'll see you next week